Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. Did y'all know that much like we have a gut microbiome, we also have a skin microbiome, which means we have tons of beneficial bacteria on our skin that protect us from pathogens. And did you also know that when you use harsh soaps and chemicals on your body, it can it can kill those bacteria and it can also create other imbalances, pH imbalances, et cetera, within the skin microbiome. So when I learned this information a couple of years ago, I stumbled upon Alivia skincare, and we have been using it exclusively ever since. So Alivia has body cleanser, so it's like a body wash. My entire family uses it, and not only actually do we use it on our skin as body wash, but we also use it for our hair. Like I don't have shampoo for my kids. I use Alivia for my kids. And I love Alivia because not only does it smell amazing, but it's 100% natural and organic. It's non-toxic. It's free of all artificial fragrances and dyes. It's environmentally friendly. And it's not a soap. It is a prebiotic body cleanser. So it actually helps support and nourish that skin microbiome. And it works so well, especially if you have sensitive skin. It can help with eczema, pariasis, body acne, things like that. We love the green tea honeysuckle scent. It smells heavenly. It's so amazing. I usually stock up and get like five bottles at a time so that I can get free shipping. And they last a really long time. Like five or six bottles will last me, my whole family, about a year or so. So you can go to alivia.com. That's A-L-E-A-V-I-A.com and use the code TaylorK15 and that will save you 15% off of all of your Alivia orders. Hi, everyone. Today, I am so honored to have my friend, Dr. Kate of Womanly Made here with me today. We are going to be chatting about postpartum care and the postpartum body and what kind of movement and exercise is helpful and good for women in the postpartum period. Dr. Kate is a wife and a mother of three. She's a doctor of physical therapy who is also an expert in movement and function of the womanly body. So without further ado, let's get to our interview. Dr. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you and pick your brain. I know. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited that we get to have this conversation and with so many women listening. Yes. And it's such an important conversation. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? How did you get to where you are now working with women and mothers online and in social media? So I am a doctor of physical therapy. Um, I've worked in the clinic for six years prior to having children. Um, I did a little bit while I was a new mother and, um, 
I just knew that from working with women in the clinic, um, in my specialty clinic in a very smaller town in the Midwest, that there, that this message, what I have learned was not going to really reach a very large audience, but the women I was able to serve one-on-one. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved being able to do that. And it was making such an impact in their lives. And so in order to get this message out to women that weren't going to walk through my clinic doors, I wanted to take it to social media and get it out there so that more women could find a different avenue, one that was not the mainstream conventional physical therapy approach, and one that would help with this holistic path to just reconnecting with yourself. So that's how social media has been such a blessing and um, for me to be able to reach women here and there and everywhere. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's so true. You know, social media, like I complain about social media all the time because it, there are so many negatives to social media, um, especially when you have a larger platform and you're sharing non-mainstream information, but at the same time, it's been, it's such a blessing to so many people because it really does allow information to reach far to people that need it. So that's one amazing thing about the power of social media, but there are some negatives that come with it as well. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. I know. I know a little bit of the negatives. I think you having a larger audience gets to see a lot more of that, unfortunately, but yeah, yeah, it is. It's a great avenue to get out to people. Yeah. So of all of the stages of womanhood, of human, being a human, what made you really passionate about the postpartum phase or stage? So, um, I, I saw so many women being cared for well throughout pregnancy, you know, seeing doctor's visits frequently seeing, you know, physical therapy, seeing whatever throughout pregnancy. And then they would have their baby and they would be set, set loose at six to eight weeks and get back into just normal pre-pregnancy activity. Um, but I would see women who were like 10, 15 years out postpartum that still had lingering imbalances that were from that I and they could trace back to pregnancy. Um, and so it was, it just, I noticed there was such a gap in where women were being served. We were cared for so well and held throughout pregnancy. I mean, and that's arguable, right? So some people would say we're not very cared for well about through pregnancy, but right. in the medical system, we're held through pregnancy. And mm-hmm. then we're pretty, in my opinion, I feel like we're kind of just dropped after you have the baby because it's nobody's territory medically. So you don't go see somebody unless there's a problem. Um, So for me, I knew that postpartum birth being the biggest physiological change a human body can even experience, it needed to be cared for and it needed to be understood by the woman who is experiencing it. So at least in whatever capacity it, it was my power to educate on, which are a lot of the physical changes, I felt it was so important to care about postpartum and to care for women in postpartum so that they could recognize those changes with themselves. And when the medical system would come up short, that they could then find that autonomy and be independent in finding the care that they need or caring for themselves. So that's kind of what I try to do as far as like educating, offering education so that women can learn themselves and then guide themselves through. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I just, I love postpartum. I think it's such a tender time and there's so many changes that we go through as you've spoken to. And, you know, we're unsure of a lot and all the changes within us should not be something that we're also questioning and also mysteriously combating 
instead of, you know, knowing what's going on and how to work with our body to best serve ourselves in our own recovery and how to best serve our, our babies. So that's kind of what makes it so tender to me. Um, and I'm really happy to be in this role and and like kind of sit in this space because postpartum sometimes lasts forever. I mean, not forever, but it does, but like yeah. lasted this long. I allowed myself to have it this long with my first baby. I allowed it to myself to really relax into it later. And mm-hmm. for some women dealing with lingering issues years and years out, um, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that those are still postpartum issues. Yes. And well, you know, once a woman is postpartum, once she's had a baby, she is postpartum. Like we don't go back to being the exact same person with the same brain, with the same body as we were before we had a baby. And that's something that is just not talked about a lot. And the other thing is, you know, I don't know if you know this and I don't know, maybe a lot of people listening don't know this, but when I started out in this business, I I'm an occupational therapist and what I wanted to do was focus specifically on OT for postpartum. And so I had some pelvic health training and I kind of dabbled in some of that, trying to find my way. And then I just, um, kind of fell into sleep. Like that was just my passion sleep without sleep training. And so that's where I've kind of gravitated, but on that journey, you know, I was postpartum myself and what I just found most interesting. And now like looking back, it's interesting to me, really, it, it makes me angry. It like fires up like this passion in me because women are, they're such a, it's such a disservice to women. But, um, what I found most interesting was that, like you said, postpartum is nobody's territory when we're pregnant and we're going to our OB or even our midwife, you know, midwives, I think tend to be a little bit better about educating about postpartum things, but I went to an OB with my first child and I never once got any information about what postpartum recovery would be like, what things I should avoid, what things I want to consider. If I want, you know, maybe I should consider resting for a little while after I have my baby literally got none of that education. Um, and so when I started kind of trying to dive into this business and supporting, um, women who are postpartum, the other thing I was so frustrated by was that in most States as an occupational therapist, we need a doctor's order to treat. And I know physical therapy, I think there's some States still where you need a doctor's order, but I know most PT have a little bit more autonomy. Yeah, we are, we're full on access in all 50 States now. Thankfully, so you can come to us first. However, unfortunately it's kind of this unwritten or very, you know, unwritten rule that like, you know, we, we don't intervene until, or unless the doctor clears you Mm -hmm. six to eight weeks. Yeah. That's, and here's the thing, doctors, most doctors don't understand the postpartum body. They don't truly understand the the changes that have happened and what mothers need. And so for me, I was so frustrated because I was thinking to myself, why do I need a doctor who doesn't understand any of the things that I want to do with this woman to help this woman? Why do I need a doctor's permission to do the things I know will help this woman? It's not their territory. It should be my territory because I've begun making it my specialty because nobody else, not nobody else, but nobody else in my area is doing it. You know, and so that was so frustrating to me. And also this medicalization of the, of a woman's body. Yeah. We are not, it's not a medical event. Pregnancy and birth are not, it can be a medical event, but most of the time it's not a medical event and it shouldn't be like this default that a medical professional is the one supporting a woman in postpartum. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but no, it makes so much sense. And I think that it really like makes my hair stand up when I consider that a woman has to get permission to care for her body and has to wait a full six to eight weeks 
to care for a body from somebody else who, from another professional or provider who is helping not undo at all what the doctor is doing. You know, the sutures that they did, the birth that did occur. Now there are so many things that happen afterward. Just like you said, they're not very aware of all of those things that are cascading or that can be put into a cycle and facilitated healing. So yeah, I have those same frustrations as far as with, um, I like to honor other providers and I like to respect their place. And I also prefer for them to know that they don't understand my space, but also allow me to have it. And in that nobody is, there's no border war. There's no territory war over helping a woman. We should all be ready to, you know, just access us. If you access us, if you want, know what we can help you with and please use it. You know, Mm -hmm. here's all the resources, choose what, what works for you instead of like, exactly don't see a PT until six to eight weeks. We can't help you. And so many doctors don't even think that pelvic floor therapy, for example, is necessary. Like I have talked to so many women that went to their doctors, advocated for themselves, said, can I please get a pelvic floor therapy referral? And your doc, the doctor said, no, you don't need that. And that makes me so mad. And it's more of this idea for me of like, I get why some of the reasons why these rules are put into place to protect people, but at the same time, is it causing more harm than good? Because at the end of the day, it's just playing into this idea that doctors have control over our bodies Mm -hmm. and they don't. And a woman Mm -hmm. should be able to reach out to you and say, well, and they can, um, or to me, if I were like right now practicing as an OT with women, like with women, they should be able to just reach out to me and say, Hey, I want your, I want your support without getting permission from their doctor. It's just, right. just drives me nuts. Yes. Yes. And also on that, like just that, like when there is a problem, when there is a problem and the doctor does then refer you to pelvic floor physical therapy, because in that is the only next continuum of care. Like that seems like that's the only path that they can take is, okay, well, we'll just send you to pelvic floor physical therapy. So when inevitably women fail pelvic floor physical therapy, then they think they cannot be helped. And the only other solution is surgery. Mm -hmm. And those are, those are the other, that's just like a lot of this, um, these assumptions and these big things I'm trying to break down is that not every pelvic floor physical therapist can solve every single, all the other things going on in your body. They're a specialist. And yes, they do have a great education. I am educated in the same way. However, what I do is differently in looking at the whole body and how to repair that together, not just, I, you know, zeroing in on the pelvic floor. Um, And so, yeah, I get these women, even like you said, when the doctor oversees or, you know, dismisses the referral to physical therapy and they recommend I have so many women right now that say I have prolapse. The only solution is surgery. Mm. And I'm like, Oh boy. I mean, I can't engage with you in this conversation. I just need to tell you that there are very many other options out there and, you know, Mm -hmm. just keep looking. Um, Hopefully you'll find more providers. There are a lot of providers like me out there that really want to care for the whole woman and are ready. It's just that we got to keep talking about it so that people Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. And it's hard to find, it's hard to find somebody like when you don't know what you don't know, like you don't know what you're looking for. So that's the other hard part too. Um, Okay. We've already talked about, we've already voiced our frustrations (laughs) about the postpartum care model, but is there anything else or there, is there one like big thing that you notice lacking in our standard postpartum care model? Um, Just 
basically all that we've already said is just how yeah. it's the biggest change and how we already kind of go into pregnancy right now, even just like with fertility care, pre-fertility, preconception, prenatal, we go into it a lot with like, you know, not understanding our body. And I understand I come from a, a position of really understanding the human body and how we function. Um, so I'm not asking everybody to be a, a science scientist or an expert um, on anatomy and physiology, but just to know what our body is telling us at any given time and really to tap into that intuition, I think we have we've become very detached in that. So I think in po the postpartum care model, it would be just cultivating that. Like if anything that we can do throughout preconception, pregnancy and transitioning for postpartum is to enable, educate, empower, you know, try to make a woman, not make a woman, try to facilitate this knowledge of self so that when she is alone and when she is with her, with her baby and it is confusing and tiring and whatever, she can at least like not feel like even that much is not her own, you mm -hmm. know, so she can remain within her body. So I like that. And for that, that means just like always asking a woman, well, how do you feel about it? You know, how did, what do you, what do you think that is the reason for that? Right. You know, instead of just coming from to me or to your doctor or to whoever for answers or reading the book on what to expect when you're expecting, well, what should we be expecting postpartum? So I think that's kind of the, you know, the, the part that's missing postpartum. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've already, I might've already kind of said this and I say it a lot, but it's this infantilization of women and it's restoring agency. Like we, we have to own our bodies. We have to own our health. Um, and I think it's so important. And, but how do we do that when we don't know about our body, when we're not taught about our body? Um, and I have this frustration. I mean, even before pregnancy, like why are girls not told about their, their menstrual cycles and their fertility? Why are they not taught fertility awareness? You know, that's like, I feel like that's step one and yeah. of us being almost dependent on others to tell us what we need to do or, you know, um, take a pill or whatever, instead of really understanding yeah. the way our body works. And it starts there, I think. Yeah, totally. And at a subconscious level, suppressing your own body signals for so many years. I mean, how do we do that? And then immediately switch into really listening to ourselves and really acknowledging those signals and knowing what interpreting them. How can we meaningfully interpret any sign from our body when we've been muting it for so long? It goes with so many things. And I think a lot to what you talk about with, you know, understanding your baby and listening to your baby, the disconnect between us and ourselves, and then the disconnect between us and our role as a mother playing off of our, off of our offspring, our baby, that's, it's kind of all of that um, that's, those are the connections that we're trying to restore just by making this whole care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. So let's talk about exercise. So we know that exercise is helpful for mental and physical health. Um, so how do you feel about postpartum exercise programs? Okay. So Yes, I um, I'm an exercise science background, so I love exercise. I know what it how it can benefit us. I think, unfortunately, um, it in my mind it kind of has this like ooh, like almost like a dirty word because it's been so warped into becoming um, like a way that we just push beyond again those limitations of ourselves and to to see exercise in its appropriate level in every stage of our lives. That's going to look different. 
Um, so I see a lot of these postpartum exercise programs and the goal is to get your body back. I mean, I would hope that everybody listening now has heard that, you know, that's not really a great message to latch onto. It's like, Oh, get your, get your body back or whatever it is. Bounce back um, after baby. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Bouncing back. Um, so, you know, obviously I don't love that message and that's not really what the goal should be. Yes. You might want to look aesthetically different. Yes. You might want to change some things about yourself. You might want to be stronger. I, those are great. Whatever your motivations are for your own body. I fully support that. Um, but I think where exercise misses it is because we just go straight into the rote doing of something instead of the interpreting feeling learning in that doing. Um, so I like exercise once the body is in a good healed, restored place, I can add fitness to that system. Once it's a stable system, once it's mobile within its stability. Um, but I much prefer, I prefer to call it movement, which in my case, my movement guide is a low intensity exercise. Um, but it's all with the point of restoring your body, the form and the function first. So re, you know, making connections, um, progressing from the ground up, all of the things to keep you in yourself in the state of rest and to support your body in that physiological state of rest that comes naturally with postpartum. So I don't think postpartum is the time to go out and, you know, try to make, set some records and hit the gym and really get your sympathetic nervous system cranked up and not know how to shut it off when you get home. You're already low on mm -hmm. sleep. You're already low on all of these things and the body is healing. So it needs rest, but it can move within that rest and move to support that rest. So I don't really love the postpartum exercise program. I don't love waiting six to eight weeks to then just start one. Mm -hmm. um, I much prefer to like do restorative exercise in the sense of stability, breathing, things that can actually benefit the system versus tax the system and add a stress that is um, over the threshold. Yeah. I think what you're saying is so important. You know, I had this kind of epiphany um, shortly after my son was born. So maybe 18 months ago or so, but before my first child was born, I loved to do high intensity interval training and run. And I, like when I exercised, I had to sweat. Like if I wasn't sweating, it wasn't worth it to me. That was just my mindset at that time. And after my son was born, even after my daughter was born, but I was still pushing myself a little bit. Um, but after my son was born, I just intuitively felt like, I don't want to do that kind of exercise anymore. It doesn't feel good to my body. Um, I don't want to jump around and like do things like that just doesn't feel supportive to my body. And I didn't really understand why. Um, but I was reading something. I can't remember what it was, but I kind of had this epiphany that, Hey, maybe it's actually because my body's in a really stressed state and I'm not sleeping well because my son isn't like at that time was sleeping horribly and I'm breastfeeding and I'm healing. And even now it still doesn't feel that good to me, but I can do a little bit more of that. Um, and so I, I just thought like, maybe that's, a good, like that's what my body's trying to tell me is I don't actually need that. And I think so many of us think that we actually need this. Everybody needs this. Everybody needs this really intense exercise. And that's how you're, you're healthy. That's how you stay healthy. But in reality, that is not always appropriate for us dep dependent on our, what's going on in our life and our phase and our body and all of that. Totally. Yeah. I think that, you know, if you think ancestrally about postpartum, it's not like 
we were immediately back at it, like just like mm-hmm. running and do it. We did a lot of really hard, like really strong, restful state. So I think that just honoring that and listening to your body in that is is such a cool progression to see how you've come as a as a woman and as a mother and phasing mm-hmm. an exercise throughout your motherhood in different patterns. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about what does that look like as far as like restorative exercise and movement? What does that typically look like for women in the postpartum phase? Can you give us some examples? Sure. Yes. So I think about, um, I'll just do the comparison of like what you would typically see. So what you would typically see in a postpartum like exercise program would be like, you know, just be gentle. It'd be all of the movements that your body like already knows, you know, it's like all these things that we've been conditioned throughout our lives. Like, okay, so you're going to do bicep curls or you're going to do some like maybe supported incline pushups. You're going to do some lunges, some squats, some side steps, um, stairs. You know, these are all uh, movement patterns that we have already learned. So that's how I think about as a postpartum exercise program. You just, you just, all you got to do, the only things you vary in those is the frequency or the intensity. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's nothing new that we're learning. We're just grady, gr- uh, gradually increasing frequency or increasing um, intensity to condition ourselves. Um, As far as restorative exercise, on the other hand, we don't necessarily do that. It's more of a learning. So it's doing movements, breaking them down into parts of movements and breathing into each one of those. So for instance, um, I would not tell you, okay, go and do five to 10 lunges or do five to 10 um, calf raises, I would say, okay, go and stand on, and this is not at all one, I'm just going to like make one up for you. Mm-hmm. But like, so go and stand on the, on the floor, put your hands on the wall, feel where your heels are, feel where your toes are. Okay. So now shift your weight to the back of your heels and then let your knees bend a little bit. Feel, you know, so like, these are like little s- steps of like, okay, I'm learning how to move my body. I'm in my body my mind is connecting with these parts of my body. And then I'm in that activating what um, um, like certain muscle groups. And then you're sending the signals from your brain through those nerves to those parts of your body. And then you're working them together. So you're able to reconnect different muscle groups that might not have been communicating. You're able to connect them together and you're able to do it through functional movement. And I always do it with breathing because breathing allows our body to reset in that uh, that parasympathetic state. So if we can accept a movement or a posture or a position in a parasympathetic state, then it allows us to to keep that and to hold on to that Mm -hmm. instead of immediately abandoning it for when we're heightened and our body goes into a whole different chain of muscles and groups. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in that sense, it's, um, it's just more about the process of learning and it breaks it down step-by-step. Step. So if you read my guide, it's like four or five steps to each movement. And it's, it's going to go like, you add this, then you add that, then you add this, then you add that. And then as you breathe, you're feeling these things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of putting it all together. And then the more you do that, you're just, the repetition in that sense is like three to five times. I say everything three to five times and three to five times a week, three to five breaths each time, because you're just learning it. You're letting your body sit in that space and learn it instead of like repping it out until you're stronger. Mm -hmm. And so would one of the end goals be that eventually you will 
kind of take on these movement patterns at all times during the day to move in a more, I guess, better way? That's a good question. Um, So yes, in a sense, it's going to help keep your body and we call it neutral. So it's just going to keep your body out of this you know, either overextended state, over patterned, like one side dominant state, the other side, um, it's just going to keep you more neutral. So your brain is going to have these other strategies. Your body's going to have these other strategies to hold, to keep itself, to hold on to, So it doesn't un- abandon them or be undone by, you know, repetitive activity, like when we're breastfeeding and we're falling mm-hmm. apart forward or when we're co-sleeping and we're breastfeeding and we're like really extended up and forward. And So it's just going to continue to kind of, yeah, give our body those strategies so that we can remain in what we call a neutral state or a balanced, symmetrical, even state. Mm, Okay. That makes sense. So, you know, I think a big concern for a lot of new moms is how do they find the time to do that sort of movement and exercise, even if they have the plan, even if they have your guide, because, you know, there are a lot of new moms are sleep deprived and they barely have energy um, for any of that, not to mention they have a child or children to take care of. So what are your recommendations for fitting that in to their busy lifestyles? Yes. I, I really like talking about this because it's, it's one of the questions that I always ask myself, <laughs> like, when am I going to get this done? When am I yeah. going to add another thing to my plate? So for me, and I am the person that is the least follow through person. So let me just tell you, if I can find a way to, to do it, it can be done by anybody. Um, I tend to do it before I go to bed or immediately after waking up. So I like to put it around sleep because I find the most benefit from that is around sleep. My body gets into a state of rest before I undertake rest and I can absorb that rest in the best state. And then once I get out of it, because all night long, I am feeding my baby, I co-sleep and breast sleep. And so once I get done with it in the morning, I immediately go to some of my strategies and sure I have a baby that wakes me up. She doesn't wake up crying. I do remember those phases as, as well as a mother. And so in that case, if you have a baby that's waking you up crying that you have to tend to immediately and you got to do the feeding and you can't, you know, get to doing a couple of those movements that you want. Find another thing that gives you a mental association. Like I'm not a clock person. I'm not a schedule person. I am an internal clock person. Like I'm reading what my body needs at any given time. I'm like sitting in the chair breastfeeding and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to need to undo this after we get done because I can feel this and this and this falling apart. So that is what I try to tell people is just find something that is like internal to you. And if it needs to be an external clock for now, make that, you know, that responsibility. That's great. Put it out there, make it be an external, like a reminder on your phone. Um, but I like associations. So either for me, like if I get done feeding, I'm going to do it before and after a feeding. If I put the baby down for a nap, I'm going to do it after I put them down because I know, I know I need to do 15 million other things, but right now that's when she goes to sleep and that's when I can undo my body. So those are my tips for that. And another thing is I've been asked, you know, people are like, how am I going to be able to do it? And I mean, you know, we find ways to prioritize what we value. And if you value Mm -hmm. what you have invested in, um, which for me would be my guide, then you're going to find a way to make it meaningful and useful to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. So we've talked about sleep a little bit and being tired. Tell me how movement helps with sleep and with rest. Oh yes. Okay. I love this. Um, So I was saying I do it before bed because I think it's the most beneficial thing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I, I say rest in terms of like the parasympathetic state of rest. So just really trying to downregulate my nervous system and remove the stimuli. So every, every movement that I care about for postpartum and that I really, I really care about for anything, my approach is always centered around breathing and that's restoring your diaphragm to its proper position and function within the rib cage. And that's over the pelvis. So that's the core first. The core is the essential area for breathing the top all the way to that pelvic floor. And so if we can get breathing restored in your core, then it's going to help everything else follow. So that's your, you know, your mental clarity. It's going to help your body stay in a state of rest. It's going to support your airway for sleeping so that you're not mouth breathing, you know, all of the things like building from the neck down support so that you can breathe nasally throughout your sleep cycle, get the best rest that you possibly can. So that's how movement for me helps support like true literal sleep and rest. Um, and then how it supports just the state of rest in general is movement is such a good way to stay in our bodies and to not become, um, I don't want to be too casual with the, the use of some like neurological terms, but to be like overstimulated, right? So like if we can return our senses to ourselves and listen to like, just really fine tune that, um, it, it can, it can make a lot of the external stimuli a lot less bothersome because we can self-regulate here. And when we're in the state of rest, we can find a lot of those other things, not so perturbing. Um, and so for me, it helps keep me in a state of rest there too, and healing and all of that. So I'm not going to go, like, I'm not going to like sit down and relax into a movement and breathe and then get up and go and like run and do 5 million things, you know? So it kind of like checks out of that hamster wheel and gets you back into a centered space within yourself. Yeah. You know, something that I have really found helpful is like, you know, when my kids are asleep and I'm, it's my evening time, my me time, I get into this bad habit of either watching TV or scrolling my phone and having at least like five minutes of, I know I'm going to lay down and rest and not just rest, but do, do some movements, do some exercises, um, do some breathing exercises that helps me get off my phone. It helps me, yeah. it helps relax, rest my eyes. It helps me get into this relaxed state. Otherwise it's just like almost this, um, this thing that I can't break. I can't get out of like, I know I need to go to bed. I know I'm tired. I know I could be doing something else. that's more helpful to me, but I can't take my eyes away from the phone. And so just having that time where I know I'm going to go do my things that I need to do. And I'm going to put my phone aside and it helps me break that, that cycle. No, I so appreciate that. I echo that exact thing. I find that I get so sucked into a distraction um, and that like dopamine hit is just, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just feeding the brain and it's just like that reward center, even though I don't feel good doing it, right? that's still happening. And so like, yeah, checking out and really tapping into the oxytocin flowing through that sympathetic or parasympathetic state that like, oh, it just feels so much better yeah. to break that distraction, but you just have to break it. That's the hard yeah. part. Once you're in it, you're like, oh, wow. Like, I really am so happy I'm doing this. Yeah. This is so worth it. And yes. it's much better than spending another five minutes on Instagram that I didn't need to do because I already saw all of the updates anyways, but now I'm just refreshing my screen to see if anything <laughs> new pops up. It's just so ridiculous how addicting it is. I know it is. It's so uh, bad. It's, it's one of those negatives, super negatives of social media. 
Okay. So what would you say the first step is to restoring yourself postpartum? Um, yeah, I would say breathing. I mean, I've talked about it immensely here. Um, I mean, I guess like from a mental standpoint, just knowing that like, okay, I'm going to be in this for a while. I'm not going to be rushing out of any situation here. I'm going to allow my body to heal, but I can be an active participate in my body's healing and I can actively facilitate that. But the first physical step is breathing. The second that your baby is born out of you, your body is now new. Those ribs that haven't moved forever have a lot more freedom to move. Your diaphragm that's been way up here and not really acting very helpful for you can now fully resume its position and its function. Um, and that's just going to do you wonders with anxiety postpartum. If, if you're dealing with that, I mean, I think we all deal with that for, to a certain extent, the stress, the sleep, the digestion, the, um, you know, bowels passing those, it's going to help you with your pelvic floor healing. It's going to help with all of the things. So I immediately, mm -hmm. I just get into breathing. And if you haven't quite learned how through using my postpartum, postpartum movement guide, the simplest tip that I can give you that's like, you know, is just nasal inhale, tongue up behind the teeth, and then oral exhale all the way out. So just practicing the nasal inhale, tongue up for that seal, and then oral exhale all the way out. That's, that's going to be the best little tip that I can give in like, you know, a 10 second snip. But otherwise I would say absolutely starting week one in my guide, you don't even have to like get going on it. You can just start with like, okay, I just want to relearn how to breathe this one with one movement this week. And I don't feel like doing anything else, but mm -hmm. that's, that's how I would say everybody should start. Yeah. Would you say your guide is good for like a certain number of weeks after postpartum, or is it good for any woman who's had a baby at any time? Yeah. So it's, it's for, it's designed and made to like, so you can start day one if you feel appropriate. If you had a non-complicated vaginal delivery, you could do it. It's very gentle. There's zero impact. It's just, you know, breathing techniques the first week and just postures and positions. Um, you know, I did a couple my first week. I wasn't like sticking to it. I kind of waited like three weeks to really like start sticking to it. Um, but I knew that originally like right out of the gate, I could benefit from a few of them. So you can do it whenever you are ready. If you had a cesarean delivery, obviously it's always best to make sure that everything is healed from the wound standpoint. So you would want that clearance from a doctor, um, from your doctor, your surgeon. Um, but I, at 10, 15 years out, anybody can start at any time. Yeah. There's really mm -hmm. no contraindication to getting started. And there's really no reason to wait unless you're dealing with like, you know, something medically that would keep you from participating in any kind of activity. Cause this is like the lowest, lowest yeah. intensity exercise. Yeah. And just for clarity's sake, because I think you already addressed this a little bit, but I, I think women get confused about this a lot. Um, even if a woman is like 10, 15 years out from having her last child and, you know, she might be thinking, well, this isn't for me because I'm not really postpartum. Like my body would have definitely healed by now. You're saying that's not necessarily the case. And that this guy, these restorative movements can help all women, basically yes. not just those women that are a few weeks postpartum. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I'll speak to that. Cause that's a really great clarification. Thank you for bringing me back to it. So, um, really what the guy does is it, it helps you to, undo or to restore the changes that have incurred from in your body from pregnancy. So whether that's 
fresh out of birth while you are actually healing, actively healing, um, and going through that natural physiological state of postpartum recovery, you can facilitate that appropriately hit, you know, not hit, but meet your body with the movement at every mm-hmm. stage of the game and keep it kind of going and directing your healing or postpartum when yes, you have healed, but you may have healed, you know, in that position that you were from pregnancy. So like, you know, you might be healed with your ribs up and your pelvis forward and your abs tight on certain spots or imbalance or your pelvic floor is an imbalanced state. So you're healed, but you're not necessarily recovered or restored into the position that your body is meant to function optimally. So what the guide does is it starts at the very, very, like the, the, the genesis of it. So how do we breathe? It's going to connect this part of your body with this part of your body. It's going to get your abdominals working together with your breathing. It's going to get your rib cage in a good position over your pelvis. It's going to get your pelvic floor. So it just kind of starts at your core and it restores there and then it builds out from there. So mm-hmm. if you have lingering imbalances later on, um, if you have instability, if you have any kind of really any kind of issue that you're dealing with, always going back to restoring your core and your pelvic floor first and breathing centered on it, everything builds out from there. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the way that the guide approaches it, helps you approach your body really. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Dr. Kate. So if somebody's listening and they're like, I need to learn more about this, where can they find you, your guide? Where can they learn more from you? Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at womanly made co it's only womanly made co because womanly made was taken. So there really is no meaning to the co, but at womanly made co on Instagram. Um, and then my website is womanlymade.com. And that's it. But I'm my, my primary presence is on Instagram. My website is just kind of where I host my, my store. I plan to do a blog at some point, but you know, it's kind of hard to keep up with the, (laughs) it's a lot to do the Instagram and the blog and the Facebook, if you do Facebook and the emails, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm behind on my blog too. (laughs) have a few posts from the last three years. I have like maybe five posts, but Well, Dr. Kate, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your wisdom with us. I know it will be helpful to everybody listening. Thank you so much, Taylor. I'm so, so grateful for this discussion and to just be a guest on your show. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.